Amen. That's right. The prophet Bobby has spoken. We are once again on the topic of world religions, cults, and the occult topic number nine. I don't have time to write it anymore. I'm just going to underline. It's what? Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, by way of recap, as you turn there in your workbook on the lesson there on Jehovah Witnesses, you're paying attention. Uh, by way of recap, we took a look at their history and why they are considered a cult because they get the authority of uh, truth wrong, i.e., they get outside the Bible, they get the God wrong, they get uh, the Trinity wrong, they get Jesus wrong, they get man wrong, they get salvation wrong. The classic definition of a cult, guess what? You're a cult, whether you like it, lump it, leave it or not, and unfortunately, they fall in that category. Then we took a look at their history. Well, where did this all start? Who, who did it all come from? Well, we saw it came from Charles Taze Russell, the inventor of the taser. No, now you're paying attention. I, second time I got mileage out of that one, Pastor Tom. Uh, Charles Taze Russell. Then it shifted to a guy named Judge Rutherford, who was not really a judge. That's a whole other thing. As saw. And then last time we took a look at the Watchtower Society, who now is heading up the organization. If I get that far, we'll get into a little bit more of that, why they are calling the shots, not a single person anymore. And then we got into that second page, believe it or not, yes, the second page. And we took a look at Jehovah's Witnesses' beliefs, basically, in a a nutshell right we already saw that again they get god wrong uh they get that they choke on the trinity cults typically will do that they also say that their version of god he doesn't know all things and he's not everywhere Ugh. okay we dealt with that in great detail then they want to say that jesus is the uh archangel michael mm, no uh, uh, angels are created beings jesus is the son of god right radically different okay uh and we dealt that with in great detail then of course we went into the watchtower uh, uh, society issue and their background and why and how it got into them being in charge of everything. Okay, and that's where we left off last time. Now, second paragraph on the second page. Here we go in your workbook. After Adam's sin, again, what's this? This is, if you will, Jehovah's Witnesses, their false teachings, false beliefs in a nutshell, right? So, second paragraph. Now, they also say that after Adam's sin, the paradise which God had created for them was ruined. So God instituted a system of redemption, which was revealed in the Bible and would ultimately lead to the crucifixion of Jesus Messiah. Well, if you would have stayed there, you're not doing too bad. Right? That's the Genesis 3.15 promise from the seed of the woman who would come one day, uh, the, the, who would crush the head of the serpent right after the fall of mankind. God makes that great promise there. Okay, okay, I'm getting you there. But that's right. In the meantime, here he goes. Uh, uh, God needed to have a visible, underline this word, because this comes from them, theocratic. Now, that's basically their code word, their spiritual word that they have come out with, that it is a God-ruled organization. And, of course, they believe that they're the only ones on the planet, kind of like uh, the, uh, just like the Vatican. They believe they're the only ones, the Pope, the Vicar of Christ, uh, uh, who is getting these teachings directly from God. Right, but that's what they mean, a theocratic organization on earth to accurately represent him. Now, believe it or not, little did you guys realize, throughout history, their history anyway, this true organization had a remnant of faithful who? Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, who do they call a Jehovah's Witness? They go back and they say, well, just like Noah and Abraham and Moses and David and Ect. There it is, Ruth. Ect's always popping up there. Uh, <laughs> why are you serious? You can say Noah was a Jehovah's Witness? It's just wild. Okay, but that's right. That's right. You may not have known that, but here's the good news according to them. Uh, it wasn't until the late 1800s that guess who? Charles Taze Russell. That's right. Formerly began what is now known as the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society, which is run out of Brooklyn. Not anymore. They sold a lot of property. Now they're up uh, in, in New York, elsewhere we saw it before. This organization claims to be, here it is, the only true channel of God's truth on earth today. Well, as we saw last time, who also says that? False teaching. 
The Vatican. How's it any different than the Catholics? It's the same thing, right? They got theirs over in Rome, right? They got theirs headquartered in New York. That's the only difference. It's the same mentality. We're the only ones who have the source of truth. In fact, we're the only ones who can keep making it up as we go. It's the exact same thing. In fact, we're the only ones that can tell you what that really means. It's the same exact same thing. Jehovah's Witnesses uh, do the same thing as with the Vatican. But let's continue on. So they say that they are the only true channel of God's truth on earth today and that it can alone can properly interpret God's word since it is the what? Angel-directed prophet of God on the earth. Whoa, okay. Now we saw before angel. What's Paul saying? Galatians chapter 1, verse 8 through 9. He says, listen, even if another person or angel comes to you and preaches a different gospel and there's a different gospel it's not the same gospel it's a false gospel it's a works-based salvation on top of other false teachings about god and jesus and man the whole nine yards okay what's paul say accept it because this angel direct no he says let him be eternally condemned right and then he says oh in fact i'm going to say it again you know what i'm saying if an angel or somebody else comes to you and preaches a different gospel than the one that you receive from us which is recorded for us in the bible let him be eternally condemned. So they actually base it on this, what the Bible says, don't listen to anybody. I don't care if they say it's, oh, but an angel of God told me, run. If it's not the gospel, run. And then they say, also, the prophet of God on earth. And how many times have we been through that before? How many times do people say, oh, prophet, prophetess, and this and that, and they get to, mm-mm. I don't care who you are. Deuteronomy says, if they say that they're speaking from God, and they ever get it wrong once, what happens? Number one, don't be afraid of them. Number two, aren't you glad we're not under the old covenant? Said stone them, right? Get rid of them. Because these people spoke presumptuously, said that what they had to say was in God. Uh-uh, don't do it, okay? But that's what they, they like boast in that angel-directed prophet of God. We're like the Vatican part two. <laughs> I don't recommend that uh, whatsoever. So let's continue. Now, when it came time for the Savior to be born, who? Michael, the archangel, became a human. Now, wait a second. You got a serious problem with that. We already saw, and I'm not going to go into this because we already dealt with this in great detail a couple studies ago. Jesus and the archangel Michael are two different beings, radically different, okay? Jesus being God, Michael, granted, powerful entity, but he's a created being. He's an angel, an angelos, a messenger, right? But uh, uh, humans, angels don't become humans, Angels are not humans. As we saw before, when a person dies, I know it was cool in that black and white movie. Look, mommy, every time you hear the bell ring, a little child got his wings. No, they didn't. You went straight into heaven or straight into hell. You don't become angels. People don't become angels. Angels don't turn into pudgy babies. Although it makes great artwork, apparently, for decorating on walls and trim and baby rooms. I, I get that, but it's not good Bible, right? So Michael, the archangel, is an angel. He can't become a human. It's just a totally different thing. And vice versa, people don't become angels. You're human, you're human, you're an angel, you're an angel. That's the way it is. But so they blend it, and then they say it's not just a human, but in the form of who? You make a second mistake, Jesus, which is radically different. Nobody's like Jesus. Jesus is the son of God. We don't become Jesus. Jesus doesn't become us. The whole thing is completely messed up. Now, then they say Jesus grew, and he kept all the laws of God and never sinned. Okay, that, that one's pretty good. Finally, though, when Jesus died, they say it was not on a cross. Oh, boy, here we go. But on a what? Torture stake. What? And, and where he bore the sins of mankind. But this did not include Adam's sin. Huh? And then they say Jesus rose from the dead as a spirit, but not physically. 
his body was dissolved and taken by God. <laughs> what? That's getting kind of gross, right? And during his visitations to people on earth, he manifested a temporary physical body for them to touch and see. Thus began the true, uh, the true Christian church of Jehovah's followers. What are you talking about? Now, what in the world is this big hang-up? Okay, and you're going to notice there's a pattern with cults. Cults have hang-ups, right? We know doctrinally what was the five things. You get it wrong on the authority, i.e. the Bible. You get off the Bible, number one. Right? You get it wrong on God, you get it wrong on and slash the Trinity, wrong on Jesus, wrong on man, and wrong on how you get to heaven. But they all have their different kind of modes, and I would say, to me, it's more to draw attention to themselves. Like, look at us. We are the ones who don't do this, like the rest of the people down there. Or, flip it around, we're the ones who do do this, unlike the rest of those people. So you flip it around both ways. That's basically a lot of what's going on there. And one of the things they do is they have taken the traditional cross of Jesus Christ and said, nope, 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 nope. It was just a pull. It was a torture stake. <laughs> what? And we're going to see in great detail in just a second. There's no way you can justify this on a multitude of angles. But again, we're going to see that they do the same thing with birthdays. We're going to have a whole study on that. Uh, does the Bible say you can't have a birthday? Right? They do the same thing with you can't join the military. They do the same thing with blood transfusions. Right? You can't celebrate uh, anybody's, uh, the Father's Day, Mother's Day, whatever. And then, of course, they cheat. But whatever, we'll get to that eventually. Okay? But all these things are like these things. It's like, what, what, why are you doing this? Because it's a way to say, look at us. We're different. That's a classic sign of a cult, right? as we saw before. But let's, let's take a look at that cross. Is, are they right? Did Jesus die not on a cross as we have uh, traditionally known? Are they right? Was it just on a stake, on a pole? Well, let's take a look at that. Uh, for 2,000 years, a cross was the symbol of what? Christians, it's our symbol, right? Jesus died on the cross. And believe it or not, it was a symbol for guess who for a long time? Mm, Jehovah's Witnesses, right? And again, they changed their mind. How many times so far, and we're just getting started in our study, how many times have they changed their mind? Well, gee whiz, if you're supposed to be the sole channel of God's truth in the prophetic voice, and you got an angel-directed ministry, and you only can get it right because you have a direct channel from God, just like the Vatican, supposedly, wink, 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 then why do you keep getting it wrong? God never gets it wrong. And then what does the actual Bible say? If they get it wrong, what do you do? Run. Flee from them. Don't listen to them. They're a false prophet, a false teacher. But they keep getting it wrong. But they spiritualize it every time they get it wrong. Well, we've got new light. Right? Or we, we've been able to progress in our knowledge. Whatever. So anyway, so believe it or not, they used to have Jehovah's Witnesses. They used to teach this. But they got new light. No, 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 no. It's a torture stake. Right? But let's take a look at that. Uh, back as far as 1921, uh, in the book, uh, The Harp of God, uh, they had published, the, uh, by the time the 1925 edition came around, they published 2 million copies. And on page 114, you can't see this, but this is in their own writing right here is in their publication, Jesus on, guess what? It ain't a stake. It's a cross. So even in their own organization, they clearly didn't do that. But again, over time, what do cults do? They have to draw something out of a distinction. Something different, right? And so that's what they did. So that's the first point of hypocrisy. Excuse me, your own organization used to teach it was a cross. What are you doing? Right? But let's continue on. The cross, of course, uh, you cannot justify it being a pole based on the first issue that we're going to take a look is the language. Okay, let's go back to the language. Well, let's begin to examine this. The Romans crucified thousands of people, Jesus being one of them, right? And there's abundant evidence of this means of execution, 
Right? First of all, the English word crucifixion comes from the Latin, which is the language that the Romans used. Okay? Latin, and uh, the Latin crucifixio means to fix to a pole? No. To fix to a cross is formed of a prefix cruci, Latin meaning crux or cross, to the verb uh, figure, uh, to fix or to attach. There is not the tiniest amount of doubt concerning the meaning of the actual word crucifixion. The word in itself, the root meaning, means a cross. So how can you sit there and say that it's a pole? That's crazy. Now, here's what they do. They try to justify it. I'm going to give you their methodology because that's a great question. Well, are you, are... They bring up the one Greek word, right? The one Greek word, which I believe is like a, a storos, storos, however you want to pronounce it there, right? And uh, uh, it means, listen, it means back in the day before the Romans arrived on the scene, it meant, guess what? It meant a pole or a stake. Okay, but when they draw this as their evidence, they're showing how ignorant they are of the Greek language. Let me explain. Uh, when storos was eventually first used, and we're talking about the 12th and 9th century BC, was that before uh, Jesus? Yeah, and was that before the Romans took over the Greeks? Mm, yeah, right. So the Greeks, when they originally used that word, it meant pole or stake. But guess what happened to the Greeks? They got conquered by the Romans, right? And when the Romans came in, guess what? They were subjugated, the Greeks were, and the Romans instituted their government, their law, their road, their systems, and also the form of death penalty that they used. Death penalty that the Romans used was, guess what? Crucifixio, it was a cross, right? Well, guess what? The Greeks didn't have a word for that form of death penalty. So here's their options. You could invent a new word, you could take a word from another language, or you can employ an existing word and give it a new meaning. And that's what they did from that point forward, after the time of the Romans taking over, that's what they applied to this word. And it always, and even up to today in the modern Greek language, this word always means cross. It's never been a stake, right? Only time that it was a stake or pole was before the Romans conquered. They're completely taken out of context. You go, well, that's weird that uh, words change with meaning over time. No, it's not. That happens all the time in history. Right? You either have to invent a new word or you take an existing word and you change its meaning. Let me give you uh, a couple examples. Uh, in fact, it can happen even in our own lifetime. How many of you guys grew up watching the amazing, talk about teaching and learning, the cartoon Flintstones? Remember that? Remember learning that? Remember how your life was so impacted deeply and you became a much better person? Yeah, whatever. Remember the Flintstones? Right? Now, that was in our lifetime right you can still get reruns in our lifetime we all pretty much at least once saw the flintstones right now every single week they encouraged you with these amazing words and we'll have a gay old time i don't know that you'd want to say that today well wait a second this is in our own lifetime now 50 years ago you could say hey I, man we went out last night we had a gay old time you wouldn't want to say that today Right? So in our own lifetime, here's a word that has literally changed. Language, it happens all the time. Let me even give you one in the Bible, right? First uh, Peter chapter three. First Peter chapter three, right? And people say, well, you know, how come we got different translations, right? And well, you need to understand the needs. Guess what? Language changes over time. And, and, and not just the, the way it's spoken, but the meanings of words changes over time. But let's take a look. First Peter chapter three. 
and uh, uh, verse 1. Let me just give you one example. Why do we need to keep an update, right? First of all, people don't speak the same language around the world, so you're going to have different translations. But sometimes you need to do an update because the words change over time, right? But 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, verse 1 says this, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their what? Wives. Now, did you know there's other translations instead of behavior, it's the word conversation? Oh, wait a second. Conversation? Well, which one is it? The one says behavior. One says conversation. Well, which one's right? Well, believe it or not, if you do the research, listen, they're both right. Conversation, back when that was used in the particular translation, meant behavior. But guess what it doesn't mean today? It doesn't mean that. It means words. So you've got to update. Language changes over time. There's no conspiracy, none of that stuff. It's just, it happens. Whether it's the Flintstones, whether it's other issues and things of that nature, it's going to happen. Now, that's the same thing with this. There's no conspiracies like, oh, you're just saying that because we believe it's a torture stake. No. And, and this is the best you got. Right? Because back in the 12th century, before the Romans conquered the Greeks, the Greeks used this, and it meant a pole or a stake. Well, yeah, that was then. But even prior to Jesus Christ, their word for crucifixion, which is always a cross, was something that you took your word that meant pole, and you changed it. And it's been that way to this day. But that's their proof text as to why this. Just to draw a distinction that they have something uh, different uh, than you and I. So that's that. Again, the 21st century Greek word, uh, storos, still today, the modern Greek, not the Koine Greek that the Bible's written in. This is modern Greek today. Storos, you look that word up, you know what it means? Cross. So you go back in some aberrant, anyway, it's crazy. And for more than 50 years, Jehovah's Witnesses accepted that Jesus Christ was crucified on a cross and included illustrations of it. I gave you just one example distributed to millions of people around the world, right? So unfortunately, uh, that's not there. Now, the other thing that they do that we know uh, that it's not true that, about the cross is also when you take a look at the opponents of Christianity back at the time when the Bible was written. Now, they've, they found some stuff, okay? The modern word for it uh, is graffiti, but they found what's called graffito, which is where we get the word graffiti. And they've actually discovered uh, some graffiti. Let me give you one. And this is a, a building in Rome was being unearthed in 1857. When they unearthed it, guess what they found on one of the walls? They found some graffiti. Believe it or not, uh, tagging buildings is nothing new. Okay? And here's a, here's a depiction of this uh, graffiti that they found, actual archaeological evidence. Okay? And the timing of this is anywhere from the late 1st to the late 3rd century. So right around the time, you know, very close to the biblical usage of this word, okay? And it depicts a person on, guess what? On a cross, not a stake, right? And, of course, they're mocking Christianity, right? They got a person on a cross, arms out like that, on a cross. The person has a head of a donkey. They're mocking Christ. Then on there, they have a person in adoration worship, and that's what they're doing. But even though, which is blasphemy, but it shows, again, what are they mocking? Jesus on a pole? No, Jesus on a cross. And that's hard archaeological uh, evidence of that, okay? And again, the arms are on to the left, to the right. So that's kind of uh, the archaeological evidence. There's also additional evidence. There's numerous dis uh, descriptions of crucifixions in antiquity. There's images of crucifixions carved into rocks during the same period. They're not just drawing poles 
Okay. Uh, again, there's more archaeological evidence, and uh, that's why they say these to say that the cross is really not a cross; it's a torture stake. Quote is to reject the historical, the linguistic evidence of history, and even secular historians say it's completely impossible to justify. In other words, you're going completely against all the facts. You're just making this up, right? Pulling everything out of the context. Now, that's all that evidence. Then you can actually understand that Jesus and the Bible even talks about him dying on the cross, believe it or not, okay? Even with the word storos, okay? Listen to this. Let me give you a couple examples. Uh, John 21, Jesus explained to Peter that when Peter was older, he would be what? Remember that text? You're going to be crucified too, okay? And he says there that they're going to lead you, all right? But it also says you will stretch out your hands, right? Given a description of the posture that Jesus himself died on the cross, right? With your hands outstretched. When you look at what's being depicted by Jehovah's Witnesses, they have his hands up like this because it's a pole. Just a bunch of baloney with all due respect. Okay, but it's again, look, see, we've got the higher truth. We, you guys believe a lie, you know, bombing. So, so even the scripture says, no, your hands, okay, and uh, that works. Now, that's just one. John 20, you have another obvious evidence, and that's when Thomas, remember doubting Thomas, right? And he says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, plural, and put my finger where the nails, plural, were, and put my hand into his side, it will not believe it. So Jesus, is, or Thomas is talking about Jesus' hands, uh, not his feet, number one, and the word nails okay, is in the plural. Jehovah's Witnesses, it's a stake. They put his hands across like this, one nail through them both. That's what the Bible says. It's plural, nails, because you need plural. One for this side, one for this side, right? So even the biblical evidence shows us there's no way you could say that Jesus died on a torture stake. Again, I think a lot of it is just they're trying to draw a distinction. Look at us. We're better. We know more. You guys have fallen for a lie, blah, blah, blah. Okay, and that's what cults do. Now, let's continue on. In the late 1800s, okay, or uh, uh, torture stake. No, throughout history, there have been faithful Jehovah's Witnesses who've managed to keep the truth in spite of, listen, here's what they, this is what they do. You and I, boy, are we deceived. And listen to all the words that they use, right? It, despite of the demonic doctrine of Trinitarianism. And I'm not going to go into that again. We've been through that I don't know how many times. There's nothing demonic about it. We're just quoting Bible. It's what the Bible teaches. Right? But they don't know no, it's demonic, right? And that has permeated the Christian church in Christendom. Christendom is filled with pastors who are antichrist, churches run by Satan, and who support the earthly governments, which are all of the devil. In other words, all of Christianity is false, and only, guess right, guess who? Jehovah's Witnesses, that theocratic organization led by several men in Brooklyn, New York, is true. Really? Well, let's examine that, right? Because again, here they are basically creating themselves to be Vatican Part Two. They're the only channel for truth. So let's examine that so-called governing body, right? And uh, let's take a look at that. Now, they use a phrase, Jehovah's Witnesses, okay? And they call themselves the governing body. And it's changed over time. And I'll get to that. And that's another issue. If you're supposed to be the sole channel of God, why can't you make up your mind who that sole channel is? Okay, right? But they call themselves the faithful and discreet slave. That's all we're doing. We're here for you. We just got to share this stuff with you because that's who we are. And they get it by, unfortunately, shocker, by taking out of context the parable of the faithful and discreet slave in Matthew 24. 
But that when you hear Jehovah's Witnesses, the faithful and we need to listen. We need to submit to the faithful and discreet slave. That's their Christianese phrase of the governing body. The one who is the, the again, picture Vatican Part Two. Okay, the sole channel of truth, of doctrine and practices. That's what they mean by that phrase, right? But their governing body, of course, now is the Watchtower Society. It didn't used to be that way. Again, they keep changing uh, as they go. Uh, up until 1976, the president of the Watchtower Society was in complete control, right? And prior to that, it was this guy was in complete control, Judge Rutherford. And before him, it was Charles Taze Russell. Remember we saw before? It's all about control, and they still do it uh, today, okay? But then uh, it switched to the Watchtower Society. And again, it used to be just the uh, president in the Watchtower Society, and then it switched to the body of the Watchtower Society, the governing body there, right? So it's bouncing around, and we're still not, still not done, okay? It's gone under several changes, right? So it starts out with this guy. He's the sole channel of truth. No, this guy's the sole channel of truth. No, it's the Watchtower uh, Bible Tract Society. There's the sole truth, and it's the president of that. No, no, it's the governing board who's the president of that. Well, it gets even more confusing, now, again, here's what's ironic. This is supposed to be the, their words, the sole channel of truth. This is a direct communication line with God. And you can't even get it right who it is. And yet I'm supposed to listen to you. Is it this? Who, who's God? It makes no sense, right? But let me, let me tell you, it's even more messed up than that. Now, Charles Hayes Russell, okay, before he decided he was going to be the soul channel of truth, uh, he actually applied it to uh, the 144,000. We'll get to that in just a second. So it even was before him, he used to talk before he decided, no, no, I'm changing mine, it's me. He said it was that. Okay, so they got that wrong. Okay, and then in 2012, okay, so it goes from there to him and to there, to the watchtower, to the president, to the whole thing. And then in 2012, the society announced an adjustment on the doctrine, which means what? What's the code word for that? Uh, we got it wrong, right? But again, if you're a true soul channel truth, what do you never get wrong if it's really from God? You never get the truth wrong because God never lies. And so, but you keep changing it, right? And they say, no, 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 that it is now uh, the, 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 going back to the body of people, then it goes back to the watchtower, uh, to that organization, okay? And then uh, they say, listen to this, you have to obey these people and uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses are said, if you don't, quote, the survival of Armageddon dependent is dependent on your obedience to them. Right? As we saw before, that's part of that fear factor. You better do what we say, only what we say. If you don't, you're toast. And so they clamp you in with fear. All right? Then, so you think, okay, well, they stabilized that, right? No. Because even now in the governing body, right? The president, this is the governing body. And then, then the governing body starts having splits. Wait a second, if you're the sole channel of truth for God, right, and this is a direct communication, then why are you guys disagreeing? If it's all of you guys, and that's what you're saying. But they keep splitting. In fact, one of the guys that got disfellowshipped, we'll get into that probably study after next, what happens when you get disfellowshipped, i.e. you disagree with anything that they teach, right? Uh, a guy named Raymond Franz, he claimed that he was forced to resign from the governing body, and he was later disfellowshipped. And here's what he said. He said, following his expulsion... 
He said he claimed the description of the slave in the parable as the class of Christians was unsupported by Scripture. He claimed the leadership employs its interpretation of the faithful and discreet slave primarily to support the concept of centralized administrative authority in order to exercise control over the members of the group by demanding loyalty and submission. So here's a guy who was even at this level, and you got to do everything you have to say. He disagreed amongst others. He gets kicked out, and then he comes out and confesses a bunch of baloney. And on and on and on it goes. They just keep changing, changing, changing. Just like we saw with the, uh, back with the Mormons, 4,000 textual changes, right? And yet you're supposed to be the prophet of God, which means you can't get nothing wrong, but here's 4,000 today. Major mega changes. Now, when, because of this, it's all about, as you can see, as we dealt with this before, it's all about this factor, control. And that's what cults do. Control, control, fear, fear, control, ah, ah, isolate. Right? That's what they do. Right? Now, they began to freak out when this invention came out. And they're still doing it today. It rhymes with, guess what? The internet. They freaked out. Because guess what you ain't going to be in control of? Oh, you can control with Hitler-like methods, as we saw before, a few studies back, the congregations, and you can control the material that they only get to read. You can throw in that fear factor, but you can't control the internet. I mean, you. I mean, there's, that's a whole other conspiracy issue. Okay, all right? And so they begin to put the clamps down. Now, let me, tell me that these people, this is not a cult, and it's all about control. Listen to what they do to the minds of the Jehovah's Witnesses. Listen to this. When witnesses read anything other than the propaganda from the watchtower... Okay, it doesn't take long for guess what? When you and I give them information, when we talk to them, it's easy to poke holes. And again, we're like maybe, maybe halfway point of this study. How many times have they changed it? How many times is it easy to point out, no, you got that wrong, no, you got that wrong, no, you got that wrong. No, do you even understand what your own leaders do, what they taught and what they did, and the duplicity and the false prophecies and all? It's easy for us to get, uh, poke holes, right? Okay, but, but listen, so that's why when the internet came out, they went crazy. The internet, period, as well as emails. Now, let me, let me read to this. Starting out in September 1990, many websites, listen, run by Jehovah's Witnesses. So they're, they, they're still Jehovah's Witnesses. And so they said, well, we want to educate people in uh, our teaching. Listen to what the Watchtower did. They forced, the governing body forced them to cease and desist their online presence. They were told, quote, you got the official website. What more do you need? Get fed like the rest of the sheep. You are not a feeder, but one who gets fed. That is serious control. Now, they're also forbidden to read the Bible alone. They're forbidden to read a personal letter from a non-Jehovah's Witnesses friend with a Bible verse in it. And they're forbidden to think for themselves when it comes to religion, but must blindly accept anything the organization teaches. They want 100% information control because they know when people are exposed to uh, outside sources, they expose how faulty and false they really are. So that's how they keep their members. It's all about isolation and fear. That's a cult. Right? That's a cult. Now, let's get to that aspect about them forbidden to reading non-Jehovah's uh, Witnesses materials, like something you and I would give them. Risk of getting disfellowship if they get caught. If they are caught with something that you and I gave them, it could just be a trap. You could be disfellowshipped. And of course, you get disfellowshipped, you're doomed. So there's that fear factor. Right? All non-Jehovah's Witnesses religious material, regardless of the source, is, here's their word, it's apostate material. Right? Apostate material. You can't say material. It's just, it's apostate material. Ooh, sounds bad. 
right? And you're forbidden to even possess it, okay? When you, i.e. us, give them a track at the door, they are not permitted to read it and must throw it out immediately. So oftentimes your best encounter is, well, you corn them in the wall and they can't run, <laughs> you know, <laughs> at that restaurant. They can't leave. <laughs> no, you know, but oftentimes, unfortunately, they've been trained. If we give them a track or, hey, could you, I printed out some articles for you. Could you take, they are trained out of absolute fear. <gasps> you know, they might even, I've had them lie to my face before. But, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you leave mm, because they don't want to get disfellowship. It's information control. Now, I'm going to quote the watchtower on this behavior, Right? Uh, this was in 1986, Watchtower, March 15, page 12, in a section called Have No Dealings with Apostates. For example, they say, what will you do if you receive a letter or some literature, open it up, and see right away that it's from an apostate? Will curiosity cause you to read it just to see what it has to say? You may reason, it won't affect me as a Jehovah's Witnesses. I, I, I'm too strong in the faith. And besides, if we have the truth, we have nothing to fear. The truth will stand the test. In thinking this way, some have fed their minds upon apostate reasoning and have fallen prey to serious questioning and doubt. <gasps> Don't even think about touching it. I know it seems rational, like what we would say. I ain't got a problem. Bring it on. This is the truth. We'll defend it. Oh, no, no. You may be led astray. I know it's what you think. But listen to us, is what they say. Now, they can't even think for themselves. Let me give you some quotes from the Watchtower on that one. Quote, quote, we should seek for dependent Bible study rather than independent Bible study. Just like the Catholics, they don't want you in there. And you have no right. Only us as the sole source of authority can rightly interpret it for you. It's the same thing, part two. Another quote, but, even if, but if each of us were left to himself just because he has a copy of the Bible and were to direct his movements independently as he thought, it's likely there would be a great deal of confusion or working in uh, competition among us. We need a theocratic organization, Jehovah's theocratic organization, in order to understand the Bible. So don't even think about picking the Bible up alone. You have no right. Don't mess it up. Just listen to us, right? And this is a direct quote, 1983, Watchtower, January 15, page 27. Fight against independent thinking. That's about as blunt as you can get. Can you believe that? Let us face the fact, they say, no matter how much Bible reading we have done, we would never have learned the truth on our own. Guess where you get it from? That's right. The sole source of truth, the Watchtower. So don't even attempt that. And again, they pay, say to stay away from the internet. Now, this was uh, put out uh, to the Kingdom Halls folks, November 1999, on the internet. Listen to their warning. Dire straits. Oh, no. The internet, they say, enables one to communicate inexpensively with millions of others throughout the world. And it opens the door to vast amounts of information. Many are concerned about readily available information that shows us how to build weapons, including bombs. Oh, no! But guess what else is bad? Just looking at it. <laughs> In addition to these dangers, you know, building bombs, right? There's a more insidious danger that Jehovah's Witnesses in particular need to be on guard against. What's this danger? Well, think of it. Would you invite a stranger into your home without first finding out who he is? What if there is no way to find out? Would you allow such a stranger to be alone with your children? This is an indisputable possibility on the internet. This is worse than making bombs. You might learn something. <laughs> That's what they're saying. Electronic email uh, can be sent and received from people you don't know. 
The same is true when we converse electronically in a forum or a chat room. Participants may at times claim to be Jehovah's Witnesses, but often they're not. Some may claim to be a youth, but he or she is not. Some may falsely claim to be of a gender, but they may not. With this danger in mind, if you use the internet, ask yourself, why do I use it for? Is there a possibility that I can be harmed spiritually? Or how am I using it? And could I be contributing to the spiritual injury of others? Oh, put the mouse down. Can you believe this? That they would actually put this out there. This is information control. Why don't you just go live in Siberia? Isn't that what communism does? This is wild. And it's actually in print, right? Consider, for example, some internet sites set up by individuals who claim to be Jehovah's Witnesses. Can you tell for certain that these contacts have not been planted by apostates? How do you know? The theocratic means through which we are fed spiritually is the faithful and discreet slave. That's right. When we go to the kingdom hall, there's no question that we're with our brothers. We know them. It's imperative that we stay close to our brothers in the congregation and use the remaining time wisely, thus making ourselves available for advancing the kingdom's interests. Just stay with us. Don't venture elsewhere. Don't listen. Don't see. Don't ponder. Don't learn. We got it all for you. That's a cold. Now, there's also another thing that I've actually done studies. I'm going to read one to you real quick. Matt, can you imagine living under that system? You'd be freaked out. I mean, seriously, freaked out. Well, guess what? It does provide and does produce, and they've done, I'll, I'll share the study in just a second, some serious mental issues. Really, because it, it causes mental issues. Cult groups put an excessive burden of legalism uh, upon their adherents, and often these aberrant groups require substantial commitments of time and energy, Jehovah's Witnesses, right, from their membership in order to maintain a good standing, unless you want to get kicked down. Right? Since cults are typically short on grace and long on law, legalism, mixed with group obligations, guilt-induced teachings, and isolationism, put the mouse down, right? it leads to emotional and mental problems. And this is an actual study. Right? Listen to this. Jehovah's Witnesses teaching, here's the pattern they found. Incidences of schizophrenia among them, specifically Jehovah's Witnesses, is about three times as high for the rest of the general population. While figures for paranoid schizophrenia is nearly four times the general population. So in this study, they surmise it's got to be one of two things. Both are not good. The study suggests that, quote, either Jehovah's Witnesses teaching tends to attract an excess of pre-psychotic individuals who then break down, or being a Jehovah's Witnesses itself is a stress that makes you go into that psychosis, which I kind of would say that. But that's an actual study. You get yourself involved in that. You're scared to death. You can't think for yourself. You're told not to think for yourself. You can't talk to anybody. Instead, put it away, run, flee. What a horrible system of bondage. And a lot of it got kickstarted. Remember the history? Back with this guy right here. Remember because of the split after Mr. Russell died and so-called Mr. Judge, who wasn't really a judge, Rutherford took over? What happened at that point? Major mass exodus. So what did he do to keep the numbers up? He put the door-to-door campaign in, forced you to do it, all this stuff, and here comes the clamps. We will control everything you do. And it gets the numbers up. But I think a large primary, the reason why people stay Jehovah's Witnesses isn't necessarily because it's so true. It's because they're scared to death to leave, number one. And they don't know anything else because they've been put in an isolated bubble, which is called a cult. That's why. It's not because it's so popular and so convincing. It's easy to poke holes through it because it's false. Let's continue on. All right. 
Uh, then it says, uh, after that, thus begins supposedly the true church, whatever they say. And, uh, and then the rest of us are, are demonic. Now, in the late 1800s, okay, they're going to backtrack a little bit here. A young man of 18 years age named Charles Hayes Russell organized a Bible class in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. 1879, he popularized the ideas. He published what was called the Herald of the Morning Magazine at the time. Uh, 1884, he renamed it the Watchtower, announcing Jehovah's Kingdom, founded the Zion's Watchtower Tract Society, now known as, of course, what we have to deal with today, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. Then Russell served as the teacher and guide for the organization, which taught that Jesus returned invisibly in 1914, as we saw before, a long string of false prophecies from him, right, him and the rest of the organization, and that Jesus is now reigning in heaven since 1914. When Jesus finally returns physical to earth, which will happen at the time of the Battle of Armageddon, they say that he will set up his earthly 1,000-year kingdom, and during this 1,000-year period, listen, here we go, off the rails again, people will be resurrected and have a what? Second chance to receive eternal salvation. Is that what the Bible teaches? No, what's Hebrews 9.27 say? It is appointed man to die once, then face judgment. You ain't coming back. You go straight to heaven, you go straight to hell. And neither one of those, you ain't coming back, Right? And this is the only life you get. Reincarnation is not true, right? People, as we saw before in a New Age study and Hindu studies and Buddhism study, they want to say, John, well, it says right there, born again. Yeah, it didn't say born again and again and again and again and again, right? It said born again. And he was talking about a spiritual birth, not an actual physical birth taking place over multiple lifetimes, right? But John, uh, Hebrews 9.27 says this one time, right? But a second chance, are you kidding? Well, that's just like the Mormons. Remember we saw it with the baptism of the dead? Well, you still get a second chance after we baptize, you know, even though you're dead. And again, as we saw, this was a very profound, this impacted me, Reed, for probably at least a good week when I discovered the incredible truth that dead people do nothing. <laughs> you're dead. You ain't going to do nothing, man. You ain't, whatever. But anyway, so that's the kind of same thing. So they get a second chance. And again, the same way the Mormons kind of you preach it, well, see, see, what about that guy who never had a chance? And we already dealt with all that stuff. That's a bunch of baloney. They make it sound like so regal, so we're so awesome. And what we give people a second chance. Doesn't that pacify you to want to follow us? And, and so they teach again the false things, second chance. Listen, but here's how you do it. It's not just a second chance, which is false teaching, number one. Number two, how do you get this supposed second chance? To receive eternal salvation by what? Following the principles of guess who? Jehovah's Witnesses and that faithful and discreet slave, the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. So what's that tell you? First of all, it's false. But second of all, if you can get it, you have to what? Work your way to it. It's a works-based salvation. It's a false salvation. It's a false gospel. It's works-based. It's wrong. You don't even get a second chance anyway. But they admit the only way you're going to get it is you've got to work your way there. Wrong on a multitude of... Uh, of levels, right? Now it gets even worse as we go, right? Now, after the millennium, they say, those who reject God and his organization will be what? Is that what the Bible teaches? No. Once again, they choke on hell. And again, they try to soften it. Like, oh, you know, that's just, that the eternal damnation thing, that's, that's, a, that's pretty rough. Well, yeah, it's rough. It's supposed to scare you, right? Only an eternal punishment befits the crimes committed against an eternal God, right? Like it, lump it, or neave it. Leave it. There's, there's heaven is eternal. Hell is eternal. We dealt with this in great detail before on our Sunday studies, right? right? It, it, the, the Bible says that the false prophet and the Antichrist were thrown into uh, the what? Lake of fire at the end of the seven-year tribulation. A thousand years later, Satan gets thrown in there. Guess what? It says where the beast and the Antichrist, false prophet, are. They're still there, still suffering. Then it even uses text where like, and their torment goes up for how long? 
forever and ever and ever and ever. Same verses in the scripture, back, back to Matthew, which says, listen, where they, those, the righteous will have eternal life, those will have eternal punishment. How long is eternal life? How long are we in heaven? Forever. Well, guess what? Same verse as what? It's forever, right? But no, poof, you just get annihilated, okay? Another false teaching, right, is what they say, and that, that people cease to exist. That's not true. The rest of the Jehovah's Witnesses, listen, here's another one, who have faithfully followed God's organization on earth, in other words, worked your tail off, right? Here's your reward. You will be saved from eternal annihilation and reside forever on paradise earth. Now you think, well, hey, okay. Well, that's, no, no, no. They do the same thing that the Mormons do. Remember the Mormons had three celestial, or three kingdoms? And if you really worked your way to the top, which requires you to go through the temple, and in order to get to the temple, you got to pay up, Right? Remember that money thing? It's extortion, spiritual extortion. There was three levels. Well, you're going to see just in a second as we close on this topic, and then we'll have to pick up next week. Okay, they got two different levels, right? And if you don't want to make it to the top, you know what you are if you make it to the top? You are, that's right, one of the 144,000. Big, giant, false, unfortunately, uh, false popular teaching. And that's what they say. Heaven is... However, they say, is a place for a special group of 144,000, is your blank there? 144,000, not anybody, that's right, Jehovah's Witnesses, right? And these are, listen, keep going, they're the only ones who are what? Born again, what? Anybody who comes to Christ is born again, well, whatever, right? And who alone are allowed to what? Take communion. Anybody who's a Christian can take a communion. Right? And they only do their annual communion uh, once a year at the special service. We'll get to that in a second. And they're the only ones who have what? Immortal life. Now, the rest of the Jehovah's Witnesses who are not, okay, they put it in these two categories. Uh, they have everlasting life. Those with immortal life do not have resurrected bodies. They have spirit bodies. Those on paradise earth have everlasting life, and they have a resurrected body, and that must be maintained through eating, etc., etc. So what are you doing? They created, like the Mormons, a, a, if you will, a spiritual caste society, right? And if you're into a works-based religion, that's what you do. Right? You can work a little bit, and yeah, at least you're not going to be annihilated. But if you really work hard, and you pay up your money. You can make it to the celestial kingdom. Right, Mormons? You can become your own god. And your wife can be a goddess, forever giving, being pregnant, populating your planet with spirit babies. And yes, as you can tell, the ladies don't want to do that. Right? right? I remember one guy, uh, a guy, he said this, this lady, and um, uh, she was uh, 35 with, with babies. And, uh, and, you know, he said, man, you know, seriously, I mean, 35 is enough. And... Yeah, you know, but it's just, no, that's her age. She didn't have 35 babies. But can you imagine having 35 babies? Can you imagine forever being pregnant and giving babies? Well, that's your reward, ladies, if you want to be a Mormon. Okay, that's what, but Jehovah's Witnesses, that's what, it's the same thing here. If you want to make it to this top, if you want to be the one who is truly born again, if you want to be the ones who's going to be in heaven, Jesus, the rest of you guys can enjoy this little paradise thing down on earth, right? But you got to be the 144. Now, what is going on with that? Well, first of all, it's a perversion of two texts. Open your Bibles as we get ready to close. Revelation 7 and Revelation 14. Let's go back to the Bible. Who does the Bible say? Right? The 144,000 are. Right? Revelation 7 is the first occurrence mentioning these entities. Right? You find the dictionary, what do you do? Hang a left. Revelation 7. Right? Uh, verse 3, Revelation 7 says this, do not harm the land or the sea of the trees until we put the seal of, on the foreheads of the servants of our God. Then I heard the number of those who were sealed. There were what? 
144,000 from all the Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, I'm sorry, wrong translation. From who? Who are the 144,000? They're Israelites. It says it right here. And then it even goes down. From the tribe of Judah, 12,000 sealed. From the tribe of Reuben, 12,000. And on and on. And mentions the 12 tribes. 12,000 times 12 is, for those of you hooked on math, 144,000. But that's so much, right? So what does the Bible say they are? Number one. Right? So the first question, if we even have that privilege, if they don't slam the door in your face and, oh, apostate, oh, unfortunately, right? Is you to say, oh, so really? So you're one of the 144,000, okay? Uh, so you're a Jew? Oh, and by the way, my second question is, which tribe are you from? Flip over to Revelation 14, right? That's your next occurrence. Uh, verse 1, then I looked, and there before me was the Lamb standing on the Mount of Zion with him 144,000, who had the name of his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard the sound of a heaven, uh, from heaven like the roar of rushing waters and like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like the harpists playing their harps, and they sang a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and elders. And no one can learn the song except the 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. Listen, who are they? These are those who did not defile themselves with who? Women. So now you just cut it in half. So you're not only Jews, you not only got to be from one of the 12 tribes, but you can only be a guy. Oops. Well, I guess, ladies, you have no chance as a Jehovah's Witnesses to get. It's crazy. And then it gets even more. Even the guys are in trouble, right? Uh, and it says this, that not defiled women. They kept themselves pure. They followed the lamb wherever he goes. They were purchased among men and offered as first fruits to God and the lamb. What? No lie was found in their mouths, and they are blameless. So not only you got to be a guy, you got to be a guy who's never been uh, defiled with a, uh, with, with a woman. You can't lie, and you can only follow Jesus. Excuse me, and if you say you never have, you just lied, which disqualifies you around, all the way around. It's crazy. So you look at the Bible, it has nothing to do with the church, has nothing to do with Jehovah's Witnesses, and this is how they base it on. This is what cults do. They pull out something out of context. They cherry pick it. And this, along with, we don't celebrate Christmas. We don't celebrate birthdays. We, we only say Jehovah. Uh, and, and on and on they go. We, we don't do the military. We don't take blood transfusions, right? Uh, Jesus died on a pole, right? It's the same thing as here. The 144. This is one of their main things that they say, well, look what we teach, don't you? And it's, it's completely unbiblical. Now, the proverbial question that we have is, Okay, they built this caste society out of pulling this out of context. But my question is, well, how do you know who they are? Isn't that the $64,000 question? Right? Which I, always find, I almost have to change that analogy I use. Because if you watch game shows, who cares about 64000 It better be at least a million or more. Times are tough. Right? Have you noticed that? One million dollars if you can win this... 64,000, I guess, meant a lot back in the day. But anyway, whatever, I digress. But anyway, so that's the question, right? It's like, how do you know? Well, believe it or not, they don't know. <laughs> Listen to this as we close. It's crazy. I can't believe it. Even as recently as 2007, right, guess who they said the 144,000 Jehovah's Witnesses were? The faithful and discreet slave. So forget the average Joe. Up to then, they said it was them. But that's not all. Then in 2013... That's considered to be, and I quote, old light. What's that the code word for? We got it wrong again, Bob. We're making it up as we go. That's what it means, right? And they said, no, 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 no. Uh, it's it's, it's the, this governing body. Okay, it's not everybody. It's not the average Joe out there. And they demand absolute unquestionable obedience from all Jehovah's Witnesses worldwide, and you're not to question them, right? Okay, 
And again, it even changed before. Uh, back with Taze Russell, he said it was uh, the spiritual elite. And then they, they just keep, just like the governing body, who's the real source of truth here? It keeps bouncing around from this and that. And even you say it's that, and then they have a split and whatever, and this is all supposed to be from God. It's the same thing. They bounce around who's the 144,000. Now, where it currently resides today, because I think they're probably going to have to change it soon. I'll get to that in a second. Out of sake and necessity is the way their acid test how you imagine yourself you're a jehovah's witness how do you know who that 144,000 person is well one of the acid tests is their once a year communion because again their teaching is only the 144,000 can do it the rest of you too bad don't you dare touch it right so let, let's talk about uh that aspect okay jehovah's witnesses celebrate communion only once a year in their annual communion service. Their congregations gather in the various kingdom halls. This is done on the 14th of Nisan, the Passover day on the Jewish calendar, which of course varies because it's based, we have the Gregorian calendar, right? Now, during the service of the cup, the cup is passed from Jehovah's Witnesses to Jehovah's Witnesses. And none of them partake, none of them, except once in a blue moon, you might see somebody partake. And that's one of the 144,000. But can you imagine sitting there and then, hey, once a year, woohoo! And then once in a while, somebody goes, <gasps> but even then, you don't even know. And listen to, listen to this. How do you know? Listen. And this is from the Watchtower, right? This is what they say. How does one of the Jehovah's Witnesses know if they're one of the 144,000? And I'm just going to read from you uh, what they say. And again, it's, it's changed. Russell said uh, it was different. Rutherford, he changed the mind. It got changed again in 1935. 2007, it got changed. And now it's where it's at today. So the whole thing keeps changing. Right? But let me listen. Here's, this is from January 2016, relatively current, right? from the Watchtower. This is on pages 20 and 21, paragraph 15, under a heading, Have You Been Called? Listen to this. And I quote, Perhaps you're wondering if you have received this wonderful invitation you know, to be one of the 144,000. And if you think that you might have, ponder. They invite you. They ask you to do this. Ponder some very important questions. Six of them, right? Number one, do you feel that you have more than average zeal in ministry? Number two, are you a keen student of God's word who loves to delve into deep things of God? Number three, have you seen Jehovah's special blessing on your ministry? Number four, do you have a burning desire to do Jehovah's will? Number five, do you have a deep inner feeling of responsibility to help others spiritually? And number six, have you seen proof that Jehovah has personally intervened in your life? Now, you might think that if your answer to these six questions is yes, that you would then know that you are of the anointed. Quote, think again. <laughs> I can't believe it. What a mental torture this is. Listen to this. If you answer, this is a direct quote, if you answer these questions with a resounding yes, does that mean that you now have the heavenly calling? No, it does not. Why not? Because these are not unique feelings experienced only by those who have the heavenly calling. Jehovah's Spirit works with equal force in those who have the hope of living forever on earth. In fact, if you are wondering whether you have received the heavenly calling, that would in itself indicate that you have not received it. Those called by Jehovah do not wonder whether they have been invited or not. They know. Then why did you give me the questionnaire? You baited me into it. Can you believe that? <laughs> I, I'm quoting them. In fact, many Jehovah's Witnesses are likely to look at suspicion to that guy. From their own organization. Listen, right? Uh, 
quote, those taking the account, this is from the Watchtower again, those taking the count at the memorial, and that's what they call their once-a-year communion thing, and if anybody does drink the cup, they're supposed to write it down, how many are out there, right, and head it back to headquarters. That's how they get the count. So that's what they're talking about. Those taking the count at the memorial, the once-a-year communion, cannot judge those who, have truly, who truly have the heavenly hope. The number of partaker includes those who mistakenly think that they're anointed. Some who at one point started to partake of the emblems, but then later stopped. Others may have mental or emotional problems that lead them to believe that they will rule with Christ in heaven. Therefore, the number of partakers does not accurately indicate the number of anointed ones left on earth. Can I translate for you? Nobody knows. Even the people who didn't get duped by our test that set you up for failing the test because you had to ask, but you gave me the question. <laughs> and even those guys who still drink it, you don't know. They might have mental problems. They may not be real. That's from the organization. Now, the problem is, I got a chart here. They still keep the records because people still do take communion. But guess how many they're getting? They're getting over the account. So guess what? As one guy says, um, Quite possibly, they're going to once again have to be forced to re-examine this doctrine again. Because now what are you going to do? Now you're over. By your own records. You know what it's going to come out to? That was old light. It really was our neighbor's dog. The neighbor's dog is 144,000. <laughs> you're going to make it up. And that's what colts do. Right? Anytime you get out of the Bible. Now, just quickly as we close, what does the Bible say? Hello. Right? Communion, supper is for the body of Christ of all believers, all who have trusted in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's open to all Christians, number one. Okay? The Bible nowhere puts a number on it and certainly doesn't have 144,000 as a capstone who could take communion. It's completely unbiblical on the act of communion itself, the meaning and purpose of communion that we read in the scripture, and it has nothing to do with 144,000 who is male Jewish evangelist witnesses. Okay? Number two, they say that this 144,000 is the only ones who are born again. Excuse me. What does the Bible say? John chapter 3. All who come to Jesus Christ, right? whether it's Nicodemus or anyone, are born again. When you are born again, it's anathen in the Greek. It means born from above, born from a higher place. That means that it's a spiritual birth. At the moment of salvation, what happens? To any and all who are truly Christians, born, born again. You're indwelt, born from above, anathen in the Greek, uh, with the Holy Spirit. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. Everybody who's a, a Christian is genuinely born again, you're filled with the Spirit. That's what it means. It's not just for 144,000. There's no magical number. There's no capstone. The anointed class, they say, has been the only ones who are declared righteous. Excuse me, read Romans chapter 5. All who come to Jesus Christ through his sacrifice are declared righteous. So on and on and on it goes. They keep getting these things wrong. Now you're starting to understand why are they so bent on putting up these parameters you can't think for yourself you can't read the bible for yourself you can't surf the internet on yourself you can't even take apostate material even though you think that you're believing the truth and if it's true it should be defended that's pure logic and common sense oh no because as you see over and over again it doesn't take much it's easy for us to poke holes in it and they can't have that because it's not from god they're not the sole channel of truth right here is 
And anytime man gets his fingers in it, what happens? You get wrong. You stick to the truth. The truth exposes that. Lord willing, next time we're going to finish up that page there and move on to their prophecy chronology. Uh, but I'm going to spend on some time on some other things that they draw distinction to themselves. And we're going to get into that issue. Does the Bible say that it's wrong to celebrate a birthday? Does the Bible say it's wrong to accept a blood transfusion? Right? Uh, is it uh, their method of disfellowshipping? What do they really do to people? And how does that unfortunately destroy families and people and individual? And it's the ultimate fear factor to keep them locked into that cult. Lord willing, next time we'll get into that in great detail. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries. And I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven. And that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay, how many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay, the Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay, and folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you, that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that and it's just as bad. He knows the mind, he knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? 
Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn, we, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it, and a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a of death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell, and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him, to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. 
He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that right now? Well, this has been Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and, and Get a Life Ministries. And if there's anything that we can do for you, uh, please don't hesitate uh, to contact us. Uh, our number, our information will uh, come up here on the screen shortly. And uh, uh, if there's anything we could do for you, please don't hesitate to let us know. Uh, thank you for uh, joining us. And uh, remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.